0: In this passage before us, Jesus gathers his 12 disciples and he gets them ready to send them forth on their first or one of their first missions, so to speak. But just before he sends them forth to go and preach the kingdom of heaven, he gives them a little discourse, if you will, instruction, full of caution, comfort, challenges, conviction. So he wants to simply warn them about what will take place as they go forth to declare the message of God. And I, I believe this is for every Christian in every age. It doesn't matter uh, if it's in the time of Christ or in our, our time today, this discourse, instruction, can be applicable for us today on how we should live as Christians in this dark day. And he gives them several things. And it relates to persecution. It relates that you know, to the disciples of how they'll be treated because of the message that they bring and the life that they live And the master that they follow. He warns or forewarns them that if you're going to be my disciple, this is what's going to take place. This is what's going to happen. This is what you need to be careful of. This is what you need to be reminded of. It's full of wonderful things, this passage, but he lists the promise of persecution, the inevitable, something that will take place to every Christian. And he also talks about the purpose of persecution. He points out the people of persecution, who will be persecuted from. And also we see the preparation against the persecutors. It's a wonderful thing to be encouraged today, to be remembered uh, of today, not only for now, but even for the future. As things get hotter, as the day gets darker, we need to shine forth the light brighter. And this discourse here, God is going to teach us how. He's going to caution us. He's going to, you know, bring about instruction to remind us of some things that we should remember to comfort us when we go through this kind of persecution. Let's look at the first this morning, the promise of persecution in verse 16. He says, behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst, in the midst of cats. Did he say that? No, he says wolves. That should give us a little Inside of what's going to take place when we go out as his disciples in a world that is, you know, simply vicious. We're we're not living in the world that's just calm and collected toward God and Jesus Christ and the gospel. We're living in the world that is absolutely hostile toward God and Jesus Christ. Look at verse 23. He says, But when they persecute you, he says, When? When? In other words, it will take place, persecution will arise. And to be persecuted simply means to, it means to be pursued or followed after, to drive away to, for the purpose of oppression or vexation. Uh, to persecute you can entail severan, oh, several different things, I should say. Persecution can be carried out in these ways. Go to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. This is what we call the Beatitudes. Look at verse 11. He says, Blessed are ye when men shall what? revile you what's that mean cause a reproach accuse you slander you defame or tarnish your character this is the whole purpose of uh persecution is to defame your character there's a purpose in why people want to do that and we'll get there in a moment but it's to bring reproach to revile you and the pr- reproach thank god if it comes from for the cause of christ it, it should be your blessed. You're absolutely a blessed. This is part of the Beatitudes, and the Beatitudes are the blessedness of a Christian. You are absolutely blessed if that people revile you because of Christ. That's what he's saying. Uh, And persecute you. And say all manner of evil against you. Man, this is what we call accusation, pursuing, perhaps with words. Physical abuse can also take place, verbal abuse accusation, slander. We see it all take place in the life of Christ. We see persecution will take place in the life of a Christian. Any sold out Christian, the Bible promises persecution. It's one of the you know, characteristics of a Christian. Persecution. It's part of the Beatitudes. He's talking about Christendom or the child of the kingdom. If you decide to follow Jesus, This is what should entail. And at the end of that, because you live like this, this is what you're going to get. It's a promise. It's promised persecution. Now, it's a promise that you and I don't like to have it fulfilled in our life. A promise to claim. No, it's not. But it's a promise that it's predicted and it's going to happen for every single Christian that will decide to live the true Christian life. The form of persecution may differ from one Christian to another, but listen, it will come if you're living for Christ. It will come. It's inevitable. It's promised for every single disciple. You may not die as a martyr, but the spirit of a martyr ought to be in your soul because that's the spirit of Christ. Be willing to die for the cause of Christ. And a lot of people are not willing. And if you're not willing... To die for Christ then you will not be willing to live for Christ and if you're not willing to live for Christ then listen you won't be willing to die for Christ a true disciple will understand that persecution will come because of the life that they live for Christ as a sold-out hot fiery Christian it will come in one form or another every believer will be facing it Jesus says in verse 12 he says this in Matthew 5 rejoice And be exceeding glad, not just happy, but exceeding glad. Why? For great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. I mean, even the prophets, believers in the Old Testament, were persecuted for the truth. They were persecuted for God's sake. Abel was persecuted by his brother. Joseph was persecuted by his brothers. David was pursued by King Saul. Jeremiah was persecuted by the house of Israel. The Bible says in Jeremiah 15, 15, O Lord, thou knowest, remember me and visit me and, re- and revenge me of my persecutors. Moses said, i rather suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. And the Bible says in the very same passage, if you want to turn to Hebrews, have a look. Hebrews chapter 11. I want you to see something in Hebrews chapter 11 there. Look at verse 24 in Hebrews 11. Any Christian, whether an Old Testament saint or a New Testament saint, will, listen, suffer persecution if you decide to live by faith In God, you will suffer persecution. But the Bible says very clearly in verse 24 by faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the sons of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Look at this verse 26. Esteeming, esteeming the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had uh, respect unto the recompense of the reward. You know what Moses, the Old Testament saint, valued, esteemed, lifted up, bearing the reproach of Christ as greater treasure, greater riches than living in Egypt, which typified the world. Because if you live like the world, get there in a moment, the world will receive you. It would be gladly to accept you. But the world does not get it except those that live by faith in God. The world does not accept Christians who love Jesus Christ. It doesn't, it rejects them. Have a look at Acts chapter 14. The promise of persecution, the Apostle Paul promised, inspired by God, doing the will of God, that we will face tribulation and persecution. It's part of the Christian life. No one anticipates it in in such a way where they invite it, they want it to come, like bring it on. I don't think any Christian will say bring it on. But any Christian that wants to live for Christ, it will come on. It will happen. Have a look at Acts chapter 14 and look at verse 19. And there came hither certain Jews from Antioch and Iconium who persuaded the people and having stoned Paul you'd call that persecution, drew him out of the city, supposing he had been dead. How or suppose, as the disciples stood round about him, he arise up and came into the city, and the next day departed with Barnabas to Derbe. And when they had preached the gospel to the city, to that city, and had taught many, they returned again to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, the very pl- same place where they were stoned, Why? Because there was believers there. Look, anytime there's opposition, there's great things happening. People are getting saved. The enemy shows up all the time. I guarantee you. Have a look at verse 22. Confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the what? Faith. Why? And that we must through much tribulation enter into the kingdom of God. Get it? see it hey what's taking place to me i'm suffering as an apostle and you will suffer as a christian but you must continue in the faith listen if you don't continue in the faith and you don't live by faith and you don't follow the lord jesus christ you will not suffer persecution in any form whether someone verbally persecute you or physically persecute you you will not suffer persecution it won't it won't come upon you if you live by faith Or you continue in the faith, you continue to love this book, follow this book, you know, obey this book, trust the Lord, do the very things, listen, do the very things that this book instructs us to do. When you embrace these truths in this book, trouble begins. That's when the trouble begins. When you start wanting to live this book, that's when the trouble takes place. When this book becomes a reality in your life, we're going to see the purpose of persecution. Let's have a look. There are three things that we'll be persecuted for, at least three things. Number one, the person of Christ. It's because who we follow. Second of all, it's the preaching of the cross. The preaching of the cross is offensive to people. And thirdly, it's the practice in which a Christian lives. Our conduct. Three things that will be persecuted for. I, I can bring it out very clearly from Scripture. Have a look at Matthew chapter 10, verse 24. Go back to our main passage, Matthew 10. And let's look at verses 24 to 25. Notice what the Bible says in Matthew chapter 10. Let's look at the first. We'll be persecuted because of the person we follow, and that's Jesus Christ. And the disciples. Is not above his master, nor the servant above his Lord. It is enough for the disciple that he be as his master, and the servant as his Lord. For if they called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more shall I call them of his household? Now, why did they call Jesus Beelzebub? Why did they call Jesus the Prince of Devils, or this name was associated with a heathen Philistine God? Why would they associate Jesus Christ casting out devils by the Prince of Devils? Why would they do that? Because he, uh, his work and his words and his ministry and his manner of life and his, he, the way he shined before people was a threat to the darkness or was a threat to those that love evil they did not like it so they want to undermine him they want to attribute the greatness of god the power of god the light of god to a work of a devil and that's what people do to you i'll call you a cultish a cult this that all sorts of wicked things will take... Hey, if they did this to Jesus, how much more you? Jesus, the household, the master of the house, how much more you, the household of faith, you that belong to Christ, how much more? Absolutely. Absolutely. When you decide to follow Jesus, you'll get, you'll get, you're going to get tarnished. Your name will be tarnished. Jesus freak, you know, brainwashed. I mean, you name it. I've, I've been called everything under the sun... Oh, Father Charlie, <laughs> a, a priest. I don't want to be called a priest. I'd rather be called a preacher for the living God. But, you know, everything under the sun. Oh, everything. Oh, you're better than us. Oh, you're a judge. Oh, this, that, whatever. How much more? How much more? I think one of the greatest ones is what I got was perhaps close to this, a cult leader. A cult leader for wanting to follow the Word of God and wanting to put your faith in the very uh, you know, p- uh, words on the pages of this book. Living this word will change your life in every facet. Your desires. Yes. Your direction. Your destination. And I'll even say this. Even your crowd. Even the, even the crowd. You'll start walking with the wise. He those Proverbs says it very clearly. He that walks with the wise shall be wise. But a companion of fools shall be destroyed. And I, Jesus said it. God said it that we are fools if we don't embrace this book. But the moment that you embrace the name of Jesus and it's entirely true, the Jesus of the Bible, you're done. You're part of his household. The apostle John says, "Behold what manner of love what manner of love has God bestowed upon us that we should be called the children of God. What manner of love And and he says very clearly, Therefore the world knoweth not us, because it knew him not. They're going to find you very foreign. Where where are you you from? What uh, planet did you come from? Go get a life. Why? Because you're following Jesus Christ. Thank you very much. I have life. It's called the abundant life. And I love every bit of it. Yeah, I love it. But you'll be persecuted because you bear the name of Christ and you follow him. Jesus was persecuted. He was called the prince of devils. Have a look at verse 22. Look at this. In Matthew chapter 10. And ye shall be what? Hated. Ye shall be hated of all men. For whose sake? For my name's sake. For my name's sake. This is a principle that be carried out in any generation of Christianity. You will be hated. People will despise you. They'll think that you're the scum of the earth. That's what happened to the disciples. I thought they were the scum of the earth, the filth of the world, the, the, the offscoring, the filth. They look at you. I've been once caught a maggot. Oh, what a maggot? You know what maggots are. You, know, you see maggots, they're not that pleasant. They're like alive rice, you know. <laughs> rice with life. And they're just disgusting. And they're small. And uh yeah, why? Cuz you bear the name Christ. They bear the name Jesus. Jesus said this, he warned his disciples time and time again because they want to follow him, they're going to hate you. Have a look at John chapter 15. John chapter 15. Look at verse 18. John 15, look at verse 18. If the world, the world hate you, look at this. Ye know that it hated me uh, uh, before it hated you. Jesus was hated before any Christian followed him. And the reason why they hate you is because you've decided to follow Jesus. That's why they hate you. If ye were of the world, the world would love his own, but because ye are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you very clear they'll persecute you because you bear the name christian and the true biblical name christian not this wishy-washy christianity wishy-washy jesus the true jesus of the bible when you decide to follow him to the utmost you will be persecuted you know, it's amazing how lazarus that jesus raised from the dead did not say a word But because he identified himself with Christ and was a product of God's grace, they wanted to kill him. Have a look at John chapter 12. He didn't even say anything. But he was a byproduct of the work and the power of God. And he was a threat to the Pharisees. Have a look at verse 1. Then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany, Where Lazarus was, which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead, drop down, have a look at verse 9, much people of the Jews therefore knew that he was there, and they came not for Jesus' sake only, get it, not for Jesus' sake only, but that might see Lazarus also whom he raised from the dead. They wanted to see this testimony of God's grace. Lazarus identified with the works of Christ and the power of God, but look at verse 10, but the chief priests consulted that they might put Lazarus also to death. Why? What did the guy do? didn't even say anything at this point. He was just a recipient of God's love and power that he would be raised and demonstrated that God has power to raise the dead. What's wrong with that? What's wrong with being a testimony? A testimony of God's grace? You'll be persecuted for it. People will be threatened by your testimony. Because of Christ, look at verse 11. Because they, that by reason of him, many of the Jews went away and what? Believed on Jesus. Because of the testimony of Lazarus. Your testimony for Christ speaks volumes, but there are people that just don't like it. Why? Because you're a threat to them. You leave the world to follow Jesus. You, I mean, you're a threat to them. It's like, Well, you're better than us now? No. You've just decided to follow Jesus. The world behind me, the cross before me. And because your life is a testimony and you want to live by this book, you'll be persecuted. And we'll see that the second persecution we get, not only because of the person, but the preaching in which we proclaim. Have a look at verse 7, Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10, look at verse 7. Matthew chapter 10, look at verse 7. He says, and as you go, as you go, not when you get to your destination, but as you go, what does he say? Preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, preaching that message is not popular because to call people, you know, to come into the kingdom and saying, hey, the kingdom of heaven is near, cause them to repent. That's the whole purpose of John the Baptist's ministry and Jesus' ministry, repent. Jesus, repent and believe the gospel. Their message was the very same message for them to repent, come back to God. You are like sheep that gone astray. You've turned everyone to his own way. Hey, the kingdom of heaven is coming. It's near. You better get right with God. That's not a popular message. You preach on repentance and you, you touch on people's sin, forget it. That's when the persecution begins. I remember one time I was in Aldi several years ago. I'll never forget it. I was, you know, reminded of it when I was just focusing on this message as well and meditating on my notes. I was in Audi and I sneezed and this lady said, bless you, or God bless you. And I said, thank you. She goes, we need blessings. I said, yes, God has blessed me. Many years ago, I trusted Jesus Christ as my saviour for my sin. And she said to me, you're not a sinner. I had to convince her that I'm a sinner. Not her that she's a sinner. And she was arguing me in Aldi saying that you're not a sinner. So I am a sinner. I was trying to convince her that I'm a sinner. How much more if I was trying to convince her that she was a sinner. Forget it. Forget it. It's not a popular message when you tell people they're sinners. Or they need to get right with God. Or you touch on some things that they're doing like fornication. What happened to John the Baptist? What happened to John the Baptist when he exposed sin in his preaching? Uh, What happened to Stephen when he was stoned to death because he hit the nail on the head telling the children of Israel that you are just like your fathers. You are stiff-necked. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, you were persecuted for telling people the truth. That's why you're persecuted. And once you tell people the truth and you diagnose someone Very clearly, because of the Spirit of God helps you so you can help them come to Christ. It's not for condemnation. The opposite is true. Jesus never came to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. You want them to be saved. But in order for them to see their need of a saviour, they need to see their sin. Jesus came to die for sin. The preaching of the cross is offensive. Why? Because the cross, what's the gospel? Jesus died for our sin. He died for us. And this is the message that we carry uh, to people as Christians. Someone once said, whenever you see persecution, there is more than the probability that truth is on the persecuted side. If you're being pursued and persecuted because of the truth, because of the truth, you hardly get persecuted, hardly unless you've done something very silly or said something very silly, or you're being persecuted for the wrong cause. But you hardly get persecuted when you don't preach the truth. When you don't open your mouth. Look what he says in Matthew chapter 10, verse 27. He says, What I tell you in darkness, that speak ye in light. And what you hear in the ear, that ye preach on the housetops. Why? What's the purpose of persecution? Listen, this is the purpose. That you'd shut your mouth. Don't want to hear it. Don't want to hear it. The whole point of persecution is so they put fear in you, so you stop speaking the truth. And we understand, and I'm and I believe that we're mature enough to understand that every single one of us that when we do preach the truth, it ought to be accompanied with love. But any which way it comes, I'm telling you right now, truth is by the world, by the flesh, by the devil, is opposed. They hate it because of the truth. You speak truth, you'll be persecuted. Jesus was persecuted and crucified because of the truth. He bore witness of the truth. Pilate said, what is truth? The epiphany of truth was right before him. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth. And that's what we preach. The truth of the matter is you're an absolutely wicked sinner and he's a great saviour. The thief on the cross got it. Don't you fear God? We deserve this just punishment. We're the thieves. Jesus has done nothing amiss. You think people want to hear that? You, Peter, standing, you have crucified the Lord, the Prince of life. You, by wicked hands, delivered him up. You wanted a murderer. Yeah. Yeah. Barabbas, a murderer. Pilate was willing to free Christ and all the more they said crucified him. So they get Barabbas who was a notable, the Bible says, criminal, a notable criminal. He wasn't a petty thief. The Bible says in another passage he was a robber. But in another passage he talks about that he was a notable criminal. You know what that means? He could have been a serial killer, a well-known wanted man amongst the community and they'd rather him, a wicked man, than Jesus Christ. Now, you you think about that for a moment. You, as believers, living like him, what do you think you're going to get? You think you're going to go to prison and you're going to be persecuted or you're going to be for, you know. You'll be doing it for the truth. No one, the blind bats won't see it because the majority of people are blinded by the culture the spirit of the age. They don't love truth. They're people of darkness. You're you're standing saying, who's going to defend me? Who's going to say something? Who's going to see it? They're They're very blinded to see it because it's always about love, love, love. We all want to have love, love, love. Yeah, there's no problem with love, but what about the truth? Love is never on the expense of truth. As a matter of fact, 1 Corinthians 13 says that charity doesn't rejoice in iniquity, but listen, rejoices in what? Truth. That's true love. Problem today is people don't want to hear the truth. And when you tell them about the truth, you're excommunicated. They don't want to hear in the book of Acts, chapter number four. I don't have time to go into this. We have many passages to look up, but they threatened the disciples, not the preacher, the name of Jesus. Peter, stop preaching in the name of Jesus because he was hammering on sin. He says, if you preach in this name again, we'll threaten you, we'll beat you. Threats? why so you can shut up we don't want to hear about this Jesus we don't want to hear the truth that's the whole point you'll be persecuted because you preach the truth you're preaching Christ you're preaching the cross and people just don't want to hear it they don't want to hear it in Revelation 1 9 you can mark it down but just listen for the sake of time he says I John who also am your brother look at this a companion in tribulation and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, listen, was on the island, Isle, which is called Patmos, persecuted, isolated. Man, can you imagine that? See you later. We don't want you, you scum. I, this is what happened to John. By the way, he had the best times with the Lord on his own. The Lord will never forsake you nor leave you. You can feel like you're alone because of the truth, but he will never leave you nor forsake you. He says this, he was in the isle that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. That's why, excommunicated, see you later, John, see you later. Why? For the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. Thirdly, we'll be persecuted not only for the person and for the preaching of Christ, but also for our practice. Have a look at uh, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3 second timothy look at this <coughs> what paul says to uh timothy here second timothy chapter number three and look at verse 10 look at verse 10 he says but thou hast fully known timothy you know my doctrine you know my manner of life my purpose my faith long-suffering charity and patience And you know my persecutions, afflictions, which came unto me, where at? Antioch. Iconium. Remember when he got stoned? At Lystra. What persecutions I endured. But out of them all the Lord delivered me. Why? Because it wasn't his time. His departure wasn't at hand. Because Paul still had to do certain things that God had called him to do. He hadn't finished yet. So God delivered him so he can continue doing what God's called him to do. But look at verse 12. Yea, And all that will live, what? Godly. In who Christ Jesus shall suffer, what? Persecution. What what does it mean to live godly? What does it mean to live godly? Godly? Live like God? I mean, it's simple, isn't it? Is it hard to practice? Absolutely. Especially when you're in this world. Because there's a kickback. There's an oppression. There's a silencing, if you will, from every area, not only from the world, the devil, but the flesh. Even our own, you know, deceitful hearts try to just manipulate us and say, Are you gone too far? You don't want to be a bad testimony, you know, you want to just be a good testimony. Being a good testimony is not to look like a freak. No, listen, the Bible says that we're pilgrims, we're passing through. When you follow Jesus, you're not intentionally trying to, you know, create this impression, but you're going to get that impression because you're just following Jesus Christ. It's because of him. Hey, you don't create this, it just comes. You don't look for it, it just comes. And it just comes because you're just living godly. You want to live godly. You know, the Bible says, shall suffer persecution. It doesn't say, maybe, we'll see. No, you will. There's a reason why you'll be persecuted, not only for your, uh, you know, profession or per, uh, that you've put in in Christ, but also for the preaching, but your practice. Have a look at Peter, First Peter. Peter says it very clearly here. <coughs> look what Peter says. First <coughs> Peter, chapter number four. Christians will be persecuted. Listen for their God. Given convictions. Do you have? Can I say, do you have God-given convictions? In other words, do you live godly? Do you do things that are godly and not worldly? The salvation that have appeared unto all men teaches us to deny all ungodliness. Listen, and worldly lust. And that we should live godly, soberly, listen, righteously in this present world. And the moment that you decide that you want to live godly with some convictions is the moment that you will be persecuted. Oh, you're wasting your life. Yeah, you'll get so many different, you know, how can I say, seeds of doubt in your mind to get you away from living the true, sold out, on fire Christian life. I guarantee you. Have a look, 1 Peter 4, look at verse 1. For as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourself likewise with the same mind. All right, have a look. For he that suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin, that he no longer shall live the rest of his time or the rest of his life in the flesh to the lust of men, but rather to what? The will of God. For the time past of our life, May for, for uh, suffice us to have wought the will of the Gentiles. When look at this, when we walked into lasciviousness, lust, excess of wine, revellings, ban- banquetings, and abominable idolatries. When we, but wherein they think it strange. Look at this, wherein they, whose they the world, or the lifestyle of the Gentiles, think it strange that ye run not with them to the same excess of riot, look at this, speaking evil of you. Because you don't want to live the life of a wicked, wicked, lustful, excess, rioting living, because you want to change, do you drink? No, I don't, oh, why, why don't you drink? what's What's the problem? Why are you concerned that I don't drink? And I like cordial better than alcohol? Why are you so concerned for me? Oh, there's something wrong with him. He doesn't drink. What? 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 Are you serious? There's something wrong with me because I don't want to drink. But don't you, think, don't you think there's something wrong with that? There's something wrong with that. There's something wrong with just that right there. That Just because we don't drink or smoke or go out partying or banqueting's and our evil... Things, watching sinful things and doing this or doing that. And we want our life to be simply transformed into the image of Christ and not conformed to the world. They think evil of you. They speak evil of you. You you must belong to a cult. You must be brainwashed. Like washed. Absolutely. By the blessed word of God. I'd rather be washed with this beautiful cleansing word than be washed by Hollywood. The filth. Yeah, I I mean, look at the filth and the scum. Yeah, that teach you how to murder and steal and cheat and teach you how to commit adultery and cheat on your wife and all this rubbish, rubbish stuff and treat treat you how to get drunk. Yeah, you know, there's some uh, platforms on the internet right now they're like dating platforms that you can sign up for to have an affair. Yeah, that's how bad the world is gone. They actually encourage you to go and cheat on your wife. Wickedness. Wickedness. There's something wrong if you're one woman man. There's something wrong with that. To the world, they think, wow. Oh. But there's nothing wrong with it, especially young people. One man, one woman for life. There's nothing wrong with that. That's how God designed it. It's beautiful, yeah. But they find it strange. They, they find it very weird that you're not living a life of sin, and they speak evil of you because you want to live a holy life. This is why you get persecuted for the most part, because you just want to live like Christ. You'll be persecuted. Listen, for the master, you'll be persecuted for the message and you'll be persecuted for the manner of life that you choose to live after Jesus Christ. Now let's see the group of people. Go, let's see the people of persecution here, Matthew chapter 10. Let's have a look at the group of people. Jesus gives, it's very interesting, he gives potentially three main groups here that persecution will come from three main groups of people. <clears throat> Look at verse 16, Matthew chapter 10. He says, Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be ye therefore wise as serpents, harmless as doves. Look at verse 17. First of all, he talks about the oppression and persecution will come from religious organizations. Look at this. Beware, verse 17 of men, for they will deliver you up to the councils and they will scourge you in their what? Synagogues. Persecution coming from a household of what? Faith. Supposedly the fathers of the faith. Now that's really sad. You know, it's really sad when you get persecuted by believers for living the Christian life, don't you think? I think that's heartbreaking. I, think, I, I said I think that's heartbreaking, to say the very least, that people will persecute you and uh, kick you out of their company, listen, because you want to live this book. Not because of sin, not because you've done anything wrong, but because you want to follow the Bible to the T, or you're doing all that you can to follow this book, and people want to just see you later. Not even want to reason, not even want to open the Bible with you. Not even want to sit down and try to help you in any way, shape or form. As soon as you want to live this book and obey this book, study this book, love this book, follow the Lord. Religious organizations don't want it. You think you're too much. We've got signs outside of churches condoning same-sex marriage. As far as I'm concerned, that's an abomination. But those very same religious organization don't want anything to do with you because they think you're unloving. That's not unloving. As a matter of fact, that's loving to try to tell somebody that this is God's design and if you don't commit to it, you're going to have trouble. Isn't that right? You're going to have trouble. Anguish, despair, guilt, shame. Especially when you try to adopt a child in a same-sex married couple, what do you think you're going to do to that little child? What are you going to destroy them? You're going to confuse them. Oh, it's unbelievable. But the church embraces it. And I say this today, what kind of church is that? What kind of synagogue and group system is that, that opposes the word of God in every sense of the word? That's a shocking. Some churches today don't even deal with idolatry. They don't even deal with fornication. They don't even know what church discipline means. Yeah. They strain at a gnat and swallow a camel. They make big issues over little things. And they just hide the big things to save face. That's disgusting to say the least. That's a shame to God's name and His holy word. Yeah. The very same people. Persecution from those group, the system of this religious people. Have a look. The next. Look at verse... 18 government authorities not only religious groups but government officials and ye shall be brought before governors and kings for whose sake for my sake for my sake yep and for a testimony for a testimony when the nation of israel will deal with them and kick them out and oppress them and leave them on the street of the gentiles and then they start preaching to the gentiles The Roman government will get the hand of them, take them. They're going to be a testimony to them. We see in the book of Acts that take place. God's people were pursuing the disciples, putting them in the hand of government, delivering them in their hands. And there we see the Apostle Paul speak to King Agrippa and to others. And they they say, you've almost persuaded me to be a Christian. No matter where Paul went, he was always a testimony of God's grace. And we ought to be that. No matter where we go, to be a testimony to people. The government. The government is influenced by this spirit or by this age. Some of them don't even know what they're doing. But we need to be a testimony to them. We need to preach Christ to them. We need to treat them with compassion. With compa- third group, I think the third group of people is, is very heartbreaking as well. Family. Look at verse 21. And brother shall deliver up the brother to death, and the father, the child, and the children shall rise up against their parents, and shall cause them to be put to death. And ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. thirty four Think not that I've come to send peace on earth. I've come not to send peace but a what? Sword. What do you mean, Jesus? Then you say that you are going to come and give peace, not like the world giveth? Yes. And he does. In our souls, in our hearts. Praise God, we've made peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ by faith. Praise God for that. We're at peace with God. But when we want to live out our Christian life, there's going to be division. Because of Jesus Christ and because of the life that we want to live and go after Him, there's going to be a sword within the home. Have a look. Have a look what he says here. Verse 35. Verse 35. For I've come to set a man at variance or divided against his father and the daughter against his mother and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law and a man's foes, enemies, shall be out of their own what? Household. That's what happened to Jesus, wasn't it? He came to his own and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. He that loveth, verse 37, father or mother, more than me is not worthy of me. He that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. He that findeth his life shall lose it, and he that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. Wow, Jesus is going to come and cause division with the household? Not that he wants to, but he knows that there are some people, family members within that household that don't want a part of Christianity. They don't want it. And your light exposes darkness. That's what happens. How can two walk if they're not agreed? What's darkness? What fellowship has darkness with light? Nothing. You decide that you want to start living for Christ, living for Jesus, not doing this, you want to start doing this, and your family members are there watching you. You're in their face trying to tell them, "Repent, repent. They don't want to. What do you think is going to happen? World War. Butting of heads. Yeah. There's going to be a sword in the house. Well, that's if you live Christianity in your house. That's if you speak up. That's if you live the faith. If you don't continue in the faith, you will not suffer persecution. You will not. Some people try to keep the peace by shutting up and stop living the Christian life and compromising. Listen, that will kill you. That will stunt your Christian growth. The will of God will not be fulfilled in your life like he wants it to. That's dimming the light. That's suppressing what God wants to do in your life. The fire that's burning through the spirit of God. That's like quenching the spirit, putting a cold bucket of water on what God wants to do. Hey, listen, uh, if you want to live the Christian life, you you ought not to be ashamed just because people put you to shame. Live it out. You're not trying to make a mission statement. You're just trying to follow Jesus. You ought not to do it for any other reason put people on show, make people feel bad, condemn people. No, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about being persecuted for righteousness sake. Well, this leads up to the next one, the preparation against persecutors. Have a look at verse 16. Let's go back to verse 16, the preparation against the persecutors. Remember, Jesus prepares and warns his disciples for the coming persecution, so he focuses on two things here, our, our responsibility and his responsibility. He deals with our responsibility first. Have a look at verse 16. Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. This is our disposition. This ought to be our demeanor. The way we live or carry ourselves as Christians. To be wise as serpent is to be subtle in a good sense, not in a bad sense. It's to have good godly sense. You know how people say, oh, come on, have common sense. Well, here we we want godly sense. Bible, amen? We want to think like God and uh, to be subtle in a way that is righteous, not in a distasteful way. And God wants us simply to live a life that is full of wisdom, not foolishness. In other words, don't lose your testimony. You can lose your testimony by the way you live. Uh, You can put yourself in unnecessary persecution. You know, Jesus said to his disciples the same passage, Hey, when they persecute you, flee to another city. Don't stay and hang around unless of, God, unless, of course, God wants you to come back around again for whatever reason. That's what happened in Antioch, right? When, he, when, when Paul got stoned, he left the place, went to another place. There were believers there, came back through later on to encourage the believers, but didn't go and say, hey, persecute me to the same people that stoned him. Use your sense. Stay away from your persecutors. Don't provoke them. Don't, don't put wood on the fire. Don't throw Don't cast that which is holy to the who? Dogs. Don't cast your pearls before who? Swine. Don't do it. Leave them alone. Dust your feet. Very same passage. Move on. Have some wisdom. Hey, be harmless as a dove. Don't fight back. You know, Jesus says to his disciples, put your sword away, Peter. We're not fighting like this. We're not going to have, by the way, tit for tat, argumentation, fighting, never got anybody anywhere. Battles weren't won by tit for tat. They were won by strategy. They They were won with wisdom. Not for tit for tat in a very carnal, distasteful way. Proud. No, harmless. Truth, absolutely, but harmless. No revenge. No, fight back. Wait, I'll get him. I'll show you. No. That ought not to be in the life of a Christian, but the temptation is there. The temptation is to pay back, and we ought not to. Uh, as a matter of fact, this is where Jesus now gives his responsibility to us believers that feel the temptation of maybe pay back, fight back, do something. He gives us at least several phenots You do your part. You keep a good testimony. You live for me. You preach the word and I'll take care of you. Have a look. Verse 26. Look at verse 26. (coughs) Matthew 10. Look at verse 26. He says this. Feed them not therefore. For there is nothing covered. There is nothing covered. That shall not be revealed. And hid that shall not be known. You know what God's going to do one day? The heart of man will be exposed one day. You You know what's going to happen at the end of everything one day? The books are going to be open, and men are going to be judged out of the book for their works. Every idle word, Matthew chapter 12, Jesus said he's going to be accounted for. Every word going to be they're going to be judged by their own words listen there are a lot of things that we can't go chasing and trying to put the fire out of every single accusation we can't deal with every single threat but i guarantee you this god is going to fight your battles and that listen the books are going to be open and balanced he's the great accountant and he doesn't miss a jot or a tittle he's going to balance the books Dearly beloved, Paul says to the Romans, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Yeah. God's going to pay back. God is going to justly, justly deal with men that disobey the gospel. Have a look at 2 Thessalonians. Leave your finger there. Turn to 2 Thessalonians, chapter number 1, 2 Thessalonians chapter chapter number 1 and look at this verse 6 2 Thessalonians 1 look at verse 6 seeing it is a what? a righteous thing which God with God to what? recompense pay back tribulation to them that trouble you he's going to take care of it he's going to recompense listen he's going to pay back And to you who are troubled, persecuted, rest with us when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. God will take care of it at the end. I trust he will. Don't take... Matters in your own hands. Fear not. God's going to expose everything. In other words, God will recompense. Ecclesiastes 12 verse 14. For God shall bring every work into judgment. With every secret thing, whether it be good or evil, God will bring it to judgment. Thank God for that. We have a just God. The books are going to be open. He says number two, fear not. Man is restricted. Look at verse 28 of Matthew chapter number 10. Man is limited. Man is limited. Look at verse 28. And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Let me ask, let me say this to you. What's the worst thing that could happen to you as a Christian? The Apostle Paul said in Philippians chapter 1, verse 21, For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is what? Gain. To die is gain? I mean, to die is a profit? Yeah. He said to be with Christ is far better. But the only reason I'm here is for you. Wow. Man, that's someone with purpose. That's someone that understands that he's here for the will of God, and if he wasn't here, he'd rather be with the Lord. That should be in every soul, in every Christian, in every life. Hey, listen, he that loses his life will find it. And he that finds his life will lose it. Paul the Apostle lost his life in the will of God. Knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men he was under the fear of God and that brought him to his knees, which is the beginning of wisdom, to follow God. I'd rather follow God than this world. I'd rather be in the hands of God than be under the judgment of wicked men. Yeah, God is able to kill both body and soul. What's man can do? Just kill the body? Go for it. You're going to give me a promotion. I'm going to be. A, I'm going to be in glory. Do you look at the Christian life like that? You got to. Some people don't because they don't. They don't have Jesus in their life. They're not born again. Other people is not living like a Christian like they should. Fear not. Man's limited man's restricted god's not like what he says fear not god is in control look at verse 29 oh verse 30 he says but the very hairs of your head are all what numbered god knows every single hair on your head now that's just mind-boggling that talks about an omnipotent god omniscient God's in control. And you know, one here will not fall unless he permits it. God's not going to allow anything to happen to you in the will of God unless he allows it. And then we can say very confidently with Paul, for all things work together for good to them that love God. Especially if you're being persecuted for righteousness sake and for Christ's sake. I'll hate to be persecuted for my sake, for Charlie Haddad's sake. I'd hate to die a premature death. I'd rather die in the will of God. Stephen didn't have long to live. Why? Because he was stoned. You say he didn't accomplish much. He did what God wanted him to do. James beheaded. Peter left. Why? What's the difference between the two? There's no difference. It was the will of God. If James wants him to come early, come up. He, yeah, Peter, you continue. No problem. It's not about how long we live. It's about when do we die in the will of God. It's not about preserving life. It's about giving our life in the will of God. And God says, time's up. You'd rather go in the will of God than outside of God's will. In other words, you can live 50 years outside of the will of God, and that's depression. But you can live five years in the will of God, and that's heaven. I'm telling you. It's not about how long you live it's the quality of life and quality of life is what god is doing in your life and how he wants to use you for his glory don't fear what man can do to you is it god's will then do it then do it fear not god cares have a look at verse 31 not only he's in control but look at verse 31 fear not fear ye not therefore you yeah, are more value than the many, many what? Sparrows. Wow. Yeah, God cares for the birds. They toil not, yet God feeds them. How much more you? If I do this or do that or I'm going to lose my friends, I'm going to lose this, I'll pro- probably even lose my job or lose my place. Or, doesn't You do what God's called you to do. God will take care of you. Do what's right, do what you know is the will of God. God cares, you're more at the, you know, I don't know about you, but if God looks at the sparrow and his eye is on the sparrow, how much more me? You know what keeps me going, keeps me preaching, keeps me practicing, keeps me following the Lord, you know what, the fact that God is watching. In a good sense, yeah, God is watching in a sense, is Charlie, don't do that, it's my father, don't do that, fine, but in a good sense, do you, you ever look at God in a good sense? Not always like, oh, is he wanting to discipline us? No. And although the discipline's good, but in a good sense, he's for you, he's not against you, especially when you're doing as the, will of, the will of God. He's for you, he's, he's there, he's protecting you. how many things that could have happened but didn't happen because God protected us and it wasn't our time? You ever wonder about that? I know that so many things could have happened but didn't happen because God prevented it from happening. Because his eye is on us and when he says time's up, time's up, listen, listen, if men are plotting, if they're working their iniquity and I understand some have over the years and they're trying to plan and plot to get you off the course and there are many like that. I'm reminded that these people are like flies. God can grab them by the wing and just get rid of them. There's nothing he cares for his own he looks after them I'm a father I know that if anyone tries to harm my child hey I'm gonna protect them absolutely with vengeance I would rather give my life for my child than die in the process yes how much more God unless he wants to take you home yeah Stephen knew his departure was at hand Poor knew. Imagine living your life knowing I've done all that God has called me to do. I'm ready to go home. Wow. Wow. God's not done yet. God's not finished. When you're in the will of God, He's got a work to be done. Let Him finish that work in your life. You say, How? Don't fear. Because the moment you fear, you're crippled. The fear of man bringeth a snare. But whosoever puteth their trust in the Lord, shall be made safe. Have a look at verse 38 while we close. Matthew chapter 10, look at verse 38. Look at this, Matthew 10, look at verse 38. And he that taketh not his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. Wow. This is the disposition of a Christian. Carrying a cross takes self denial to follow Jesus. And the cross was always bore for others. You hear a lot of people say, oh, I need to carry my cross. No, 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 listen. The cross that we carry and that Jesus wants us to carry is for others. Jesus carried his cross all the way to Calvary. He carried that cross. He bore his cross. He went on the cross and he died. God wants us to give our life. To people. This is the whole point of the ministry. We give our lives so people can get saved. We give our lives so people can know the truth. We give our lives so our children and our generation can see that we serve a living God and that this is not our home. We're just pilgrims passing through. We're just, our pegs are not hard in. They're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna pull our pegs and we're gonna be gone soon. We're not here to stay. Don't live your life like you're here to stay. We're not here to stay. We're going to go home soon. And we need to carry that cross and live like the Lord wants us to live. No denying self, no following, no carrying the cross. No carrying crosses, no following Jesus. A true disciple of our Lord Jesus Christ takes sacrifice and suffering. Lord, in Luke chapter 9, verse 57, Lord, I oh, will go whitherso whether thou goest. You know what Jesus said? He didn't say good on you man, he said foxes have holes, the birds in the air have nests, but the Son of Man have nowhere to lay his head. You know what I was saying, if you're going to follow me, take sacrifice. It's not easy being a true disciple of Jesus Christ. There are a lot of things that you're going to sacrifice. But later on, as you look back, you can see that there weren't sacrifices in the way you saw him at that particular time, but they were blessings. They were absolute blessings. I met a man in Wall's End. And he was walking by, and it was just, it happened, I was on my phone looking, waiting for Luke, looking at this passage, Matthew chapter 10, ironically. And he walks past, and I just just went like that, and I just thought, I'll hand him a tract. And he just stopped. And I said, you know, if you were to die today, do you know where you're going to go? He goes, no. I said, it's a possibility you don't have Jesus in your life and you're living in sin. And he came and he sat down. He ended up being a pastor's son, a missionary to Papua New Guinea. Uh, He's not saved. All wrestling, going back and forth about truth and the Bible and this and that. And right at the end, he was telling me, he said, look, listen, I know if I come to Christ, there's going to be suffering. There's suffering. We can't do the things that we'd like to do. And I didn't want to sugarcake the gospel. Of course. You know, uh, the Christian life is not a bed of roses. There's some thorns. It's not smooth sailing. Listen, we are got to understand that. As Christians, we're going to face persecution. Yeah, I did. I said, yeah, you, you give your life, there's some things that you're going to have to let go. But praise God, it's for our good. It's not God doesn't want to hurt us. He wants to help us. And then right after that, when he gave him that kind of response, he goes, oh, you're, you're, you're preaching to the choir. And I looked at him and I said, Ben, the choir is not singing. I might be preaching to the choir, but the choir is not singing. You could know this, but are you living this? And the reason why so many people don't live this is because their light is under a bushel. They're not saved maybe to begin with, but even if they are saved, their light is under a bushel. Their light is under a bed. Jesus said, a city on a hill cannot be hid. It's there to be seen. You don't hide the light. You bring out the light so people can see it. And I'm telling you now, the preaching of the gospel brings out the light in your life. And he said, You are the salt of the earth. He says, you're not becoming salt. He says, you are salt. You are salt. Salt penetrates. Salt makes a difference. It's our conduct. We should be tasty Christians. But if the salt have lost its savor, its taste, then you are good for nothing. You're worthless. And all could happen is you just be trotted on. That's what they do with salt. If you have salt on the table and you put it and it's tasteless, you get rid of it. You throw it in the bin. You don't use it. And the problem today is is that you don't find Christians being persecuted because they're not shining and they don't taste good. They don't follow the Master. They're not carrying the message. And their manner of life is distasteful, not tasty. So don't get persecuted, they're just like the world the world will receive you but as soon as you want to follow the master, carry the message and have this manner of life that is godly you will, you shall suffer persecution but you know what Jesus says, hey I'm going to balance the books I'll recompense it's all going to be revealed, you don't worry you just keep doing what you're doing, you just go fear not Fear not. May God help every single one of us not to fear the consequences of men. Fear not. Man's limited. God's not limited. Fear not. God's in control. Fear not. God cares. Just keep doing what I've called you to do. Keep shining. Stay. Let, that t- let that salt remain salty. Don't lose your saltiness. Continue to live godly. Yeah. And I guarantee you, it's a promise that none of us would like to claim. You will be persecuted. But it's for His glory. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. You can live one or two ways. You can live a life glorifying yourself here on earth or you can glorify God by living after Christ. You know what a Christian is? He's a Christ follower. That means he walks in his footsteps and he wants to follow him in every sense of the word. May God help every one of us. Remember the fear when we're tempted to fight back, hide our light, Live an ungodly life to try to please people. No. God help us to remember. Fear not. Fear not. Fear not. To the glory of God. Amen? Let's pray.